Hi, I'm the shirtless Archie Andrews jogging sexily past your Volkswagen Beetle, Allison. And I'm the dead body of your high school classmate who disappeared this summer in the river, shockingly found with a gunshot wound, Evan. And we are Cheryl's bitches. Evan, how does it feel to finally be here? It's so exciting. We've been talking about this for months and I'm glad we're finally doing it. So we are here to talk about the pilot episode of Riverdale, chapter one, if you will. Uh, chapter one, The River's Edge. That's the head start of my notes is just chapter one, The River's Edge. <laughs> that's that's very true. Um, and they drop, they they say the title in this episode. I don't think they typically do that, but Jughead says Cheryl was found on the river's edge. I'm like, okay, roll credits. See, I didn't even notice that when I was watching it. I was just like, why is Jughead so dramatic? <laughs> okay, yeah. So we start with um Jughead's voiceover about small town, small town America. So <laughs> Jughead is voicing this over and there's a very dramatic scenes of Cheryl and Jason driving in slow motion in a red convertible. And I'm just like, what era is this? I know it's such a like common joke and they literally make jokes about it in the episode, but it does seem like a couple. Like if you don't know the story that's about to happen and you see that scene, you're like, oh, cute couple. No, they literally look like they're going on a cute picnic date. Like, that's what looks like it's about to happen. <laughs> and uh, Jughead says that small towns, that Riverdale was known for being safe, decent, and innocent. Now, as someone who has watched any episode of Riverdale, how do you feel about that? Um, I don't think there's anything safe or decent about Riverdale, and it's definitely not innocent, um, which I think is what we're going to come to learn as we progress through this show, is just that things are not what they appear in many ways, and we're going to learn how the appearance isn't always the truth, because what you see isn't always the truth. That's, that's so ominous. I think that's like, uh, I think that's true, though. Like, I... I noted the white outfits. Um, I really love Cheryl's all white outfit. And obviously that's getting at like innocence. Yeah, no, that's a good point. They're in all white. The It's a very girly outfit too. Like it's a short dress and um, like lacy and frilly. So like definitely connoting like this is a young, like innocent child who's about to like foreshadow oh. <laughs> maybe lose that innocence building roman or whatever <laughs> yours it is a building roman he's not a literature major that's not true um i also noted that jason doesn't talk because i think that's become like a meme that jason is never allowed to talk no because do you know what jason said <laughs> so yeah so we have that opening scene evan described it well um we find that jason is not with Cheryl, and that Cheryl is found by Dilton Doily on the river's edge. Roll credits. Um, oh. Boy Scout troop. Yeah. We also discover that um, Jason, despite being the like, hometown hero, traditional man, was not loved by everyone because a woman 
is talking to her husband after he disappears on the riverbank and says, if he's dead, Hal, I hope he suffered in his last moments. May Jason Blossom burn in hell. I love that you're pretending you don't know who Alice is. You're like a mysterious woman that will come to know five minutes. Uh, minutes you're gonna discover that's the mom of one of the main characters. <laughs> yes, I. that was a little jarring. I. It's interesting. I mean, we don't really find out that much why Alice doesn't like him yet. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more about that. Exciting to see how that progresses. What has he done to make Alice so irrationally angry? Yeah. So they show that the death, they say that the death was an accident. That's what the police are saying at this point. And that he was uh Jason was going in to grab Cheryl's glove that fell into the water and that he drowned or he tipped the boat and drowned. Do you believe that story? I don't believe that story um, because first of all, just let the glove go. It's gonna be okay. It's a white glove. Like you can get another one, Cheryl, it's fine. Second, um, what is happening in this river that is neither of these two, like only one of them can actually swim to shore. Um, it doesn't seem to be like that strong of a river current, um, at least not from what we said. They were doing like a peaceful boat ride. So I'm confused by the physics of the situation a little bit too, but we don't need to go there. Yeah, it doesn't seem, if one of them were to drown, it didn't seem like Jason. Like, we find out he was on the football team, all this information. We find out he was on the water polo team. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know that. Okay, you should definitely yeah. Like, I'm fairly certain Jughead makes a comment about how he was captain of the water polo team on top of being on the football team. So it's like, how did this kid drown if Cheryl didn't? I don't think they can afford to have, like, a at Riverdale High from everything we hear about it. Well, apparently they do. It was probably the country club, let's be honest. It okay. probably was. It was at their country club. It was actually just a team of one. It was him at his uh, <laughs> mansion. <laughs> but we quickly transition to Jughead writing the narration in Pop's Diner. And I think I must comment on the fact that there is a Dairy Queen outside. <laughs> and that Dairy Queen will never be seen again. There's a, I did not notice the Dairy Queen. What? But this takes place in New York. Isn't Riverdale supposed to be in New York? They don't have Dairy Queen there. No, it takes place in like upstate New York. Do they not have Dairy Queen in upstate New York? No, I, at least when I lived there, there was no, okay. no Dairy Queen. So there's a Dairy Queen outside the window of Pops. It's a very clear Dairy Queen and it will never be seen again. And it does not make sense. <laughs> of competition for chocks, for Pop's chocolate milkshakes. Like, you know, right? And now I'm like no longer wondering why Pop's was in financial trouble because they were competing with this non existent Dairy Queen. <laughs> that's, that's interesting. Uh, speaking of Pop's, the next kind of scene we get is should I say, to a woman and a dark-haired teenager, who knows who they are, arriving at a very large, seemingly mansion-type house. Um, we do get to see Smithers for the first time, so that's exciting. Icon Smithers. And okay. uh, I like 
uh, Hermione says that they're Hermione and Veronica, by the way. Um, they seemingly arrived. They're clearly not from Riverdale. Um, they're from New York City, the big city. And Hermione mentions that she wants, uh, she's been dreaming about pops. And Veronica asks, I don't know what a chocolate shop is. I wrote that down too, because I was shocked. I don't think that's like, I get it's like they probably don't have, they don't call them chocolate shops in like New York City, but I think, have you not consumed any media? Like, uh, And then my thing is, even if you like don't know explicitly what a chocolate shop is, I think you can gather from the name Pop's Chocolate Shop and the fact that her moms that have been craving their cheeseburger <laughs> since noon, that it's a diner. <laughs> Like it's not that hard of a concept, Veronica. Um, yeah, she does. She doesn't get that. Um, any any comments about Veronica and Hermione showing up? I just wrote in my notes: Veronica slays. Hermione owns the Pembroke? Question mark. <laughs> yeah, I kind of didn't remember that. Like, why she says she does say so? They arrive. They're from New York, and she says the reason why they're there is that's the only property in her name rather than her husband's. Yeah, which we can talk more about this later, but I'm not certain that they had the backstories of these characters fleshed out yet um, during the pilot because uh, why does Hermione have an apartment in this fancy building and it's in her name and not Hiram's? it's like, is it supposed to be, and like, it's implied that Smithers know, knows her well. And it's like, maybe this is where she grew up. But I, I don't think Hermione grew up in a place like the Pembroke, you know? Yeah. Even even in this episode, we find out, I mean, like cutting a bit ahead, she, when she's talking to uh, Fred later, she, or he says like, oh, until you chose the rich guy, implying yeah. that the from his side of the family not hers yeah I wrote that down too because I was like hmm, we'll see how that develops that's to uh Betty in her bra for no reason that's what I wrote I mean already Riverdale is just staying on brand sexualizing 15 year olds first episode oh because my note for this is Kevin is on Betty's bed as Betty gets ready for something IDK they're talking about how she likes Archie Yes, okay, so it's Kevin Betty. Uh, Betty does like Archie, um, leading to one, one of the top quotes of the episode. I'll just, I'll make that claim now. Um, Archie's swell, but like most millennial straight guys, he needs to be told what he wants. Beautiful. I love this quote for many reasons. Um, first, it implies that Archie is a millennial. It doesn't even imply it, full on state that Archie is a millennial. And um, I'm confused because I, I'm fairly certain they're supposed to be Gen Z. They're 15 in like 2017, right? When did this start? <laughs> they're, the timing is, is very inconsistent with this show. I think an assumption we'll kind of make is that we were in high school the same time as these characters. Like yes, we are with different time jumps. It's impossible to know if we are older or younger than these characters because I think we've been both, but we are in the same range, which might be important when we're discussing, you know, different high school politics, things like that. And we are not millennials. 
not millennials. I would not call us a millennial, even though we are doing a podcast, which is very millennial of us. Betty hasn't seen him all summer. We don't find out why yet. And Kevin claims Archie got hot. Um, yeah, because Archie has abs now, apparently. Um, and so those are six reasons that Betty should ask him out, according to Kevin Keller. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> That's kind of revolting. So uh, Archie and um, Betty go to Pops. I think it's important. I think at this moment, it's important that we also reiterate that these are supposed to be high school sophomores. <laughs> they, don't, they don't look like high school sophomores. I They are I was- played by people in their mid-20s but they are supposed to be high school sophomores and I think that's something we need to keep in mind as we continue this conversation um surrounding the sexualization of these characters very true that's a good point that's a good point um so Betty and Archie go to Pops and we find out that Betty had a summer internship and that she met Toni Morrison which she has good taste in authors because that's one of her favorite authors and that Archie worked for his dad this summer, but he's not talking at all about that. He's only talking about how he wants to be a musician. Yes. <laughs> so um, Archie has apparently been working with his dad for the summer. Um, still no explanation to why he's not talking to Betty in this time period, but uh, he's working with his dad. And Betty. Like, can we all just admit that Betty is far too good for Archie? <laughs> You're not like, a Archie shipper? She was like, I've been spending my summer, like, planning this meet and greet with this famous author. And I got to meet her and, like, did all this, like, really impressive thing for a high school, like, a rising high school sophomore to be doing. And Archie was like, I broke rocks. <laughs> You are so, you are so bougie and white collar. Archie is just working hard. He's working for a family business. Come on. This is small town America, Evan. You're, you should just go with Veronica to New York City. You don't get it. (laughs) I don't understand. I'm an out of touch East Coast elite, but so are they. They're in New York. Okay, but small town New York. No one is more oppressed than upstate New Yorkers. <laughs> um, so the, the, whole, the, whole debate, the whole debate is, can you do both? Now, I've never thought about this before until I watched it, very, like this rewatch, but is this a high school musical ripoff? This is a high school musical ripoff. What? <laughs> I... She's like, what? what about the football team? You can't do music. What about the football team? And it's like, why? one, why can't you do both? And two, this is a high school musical ripoff. I think this is slightly more compelling than a high school musical ripoff in that it is a three-way struggle between working with his dad, doing music, and football, which there's only so many hours in a day. So, like, there is actual potential for, like, I can't do both. Um, but it is still a high school musical situation. And I did not realize that until this moment. That's a good, it's, it's high school musical with nuance. Uh, <laughs> Betty is about to confess her Riverdale, name. nuanced. <laughs> Betty is about to confess her deepest feelings after some hype, you know, getting the hype from Kevin. But 
guess who walks in? Veronica in a cape? Oh my God. Can we talk about this outfit? Because it is iconic. Yeah, of course. I literally just have Veronica in the cape jacket. Iconic fit in my notes. Um, A cape with a hood. And it's like one of those capes where they slits for the arms. So your arms can come out of the cape. And it's pure black, like straight black. So I think that's an interesting juxtaposition to Betty or um, Cheryl and um, Jason at the start. And they're like all white outfits. Then Veronica arrives and she's this dark force in her all black who's potentially going to lead to some innocence lost. Oh, holy shit. That was some like color analysis on PR. Okay, I like that. I like that. An interesting fit. I kind of think it's hideous, but, but, and I, I love think- it. I feel like I would wear it and feel powerful. That's why I like it. I'm a big fan of capes, but the hood is just, it's, it's, it overdoes it. Giving Little Red Riding Hood in Nemo phase. <laughs> she basically Archie is distracted staring at Veronica she kind of approaches and they start talking now she gives this quote that I do I do think needs like an analysis because there's so much going on here are you familiar with the works of Truman Capote I'm breakfast at Tiffany's but this place is strictly in cold blood now the first thing necessary context after she asks about Truman Capote, Archie like gives a little nod. And I'm like, you are full of shit. Archie oh. Andrews has never read <laughs> Truman Capote. Because I wrote down, I'm sorry, Archie would not get that Truman Capote reference. Also, who was this reference for? <laughs> I I think they're like, oh, what do high school sophomores read? Um, I don't know, like in cold blood in or cold something. Blood? Reference. <laughs> Um, but I'm like, what high schooler has read Truman Capote to the extent that they would understand this reference? Yeah, Not one watching Riverdale. That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> you Truman Capote works. Like, that's that's kind of asking a lot. Um, I guess Veronica learned it at her, like, bougie private schools. Like, this isn't even Veronica's brand either. No. Which is, well, I mean, it's kind of her brand to make weird references to pop culture things that she shouldn't understand in a way. If you think about it, she does that a lot. Yeah, I feel like pop culture, I don't think she references like literature very much. No, I don't think she's like referencing the classics a whole lot. Um, But I think we'll learn that this is like the beginning of Veronica's brand of making weird cultural references. (laughs) It is certainly not the end. Betty, they, fi- they find out that Betty is Veronica's peer mentor and is supposed to giving, be giving her her tour tomorrow for her first day. Um, so, of course, drama. Oh, my God, the drama. Um, Betty is clearly so jealous within, like, two seconds of this happening. And it makes you kind of wonder how Betty would be as a girlfriend. Is Betty toxic? Let's find out. I guess let's discuss that at the end of the episode. We can get back to that. We'll we'll circle back to that conversation many times. <laughs> so Archie gets, or I guess it's the next morning because Archie is seemingly up in the morning and we see Vegas, who is Archie's dog. First Vegas shout out. Um, 
and his dad wants him to work in the office over the summer. So he's not just part of the crew because he probably heard Evan's comments that he's just doing this blue collar labor work and not good enough for Betty. So he needs to start working in the office instead. Yes. Um, I think Brad would agree with me in that Betty is too good for his son. <laughs> okay. I don't think he would. I think Fred like thinks Archie's the best. No, I do think so. Um, I did have a note of it felt weird that Fred was like Logie trying to force his son to work in there, like like work with him. It felt a little irresponsible, especially when his son was just like, I don't know that I have time with that for that. And Fred was like, hmm. Mm. Okay. Because the excuse think on that one. Yeah, the excuse he gives is that football tryouts are after school, so he definitely can't come today. And I, I think I agree. Like, if he's doing something productive with his time, like doing a sport or club or something, probably doesn't need to be working all school year, too. Yeah, that was my thought. That was like, Fred, hmm, being a little pushy here. Um, on, for some juxtaposition, we get to see Alice on the first day of school. And Alice is just a helicopter mom. She's talking about how this year is so important. The decisions you make now have such a lasting impact. Um, And it's, again, they're like sophomores. Yeah, no, they like should not, like they've, they should be just maybe starting their college search process at this point. Um, If that, it is the first day of their sophomore year of high school. Like, Everything yeah. matters in the admissions world, but um, if we have to hear more, this is the first episode. We don't need to hear college admission stories already. Um, that's um, my I, for work. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do have a note. If anyone is familiar with the uh, DC suburbs in Virginia, um, I have a note that Alice would fit right in with the high-strung Nova moms. <laughs> Can't you just say it seems like she's from Connecticut or something that like everyone would understand? Oh, because I'm pretentious, but it does seem like she's from Connecticut. Um, um so she talks about um she kind of compares Archie to Jason, or she seemingly is saying, you know, don't get involved too much. You know what happened to your sister? And Betty seems to take this as that she doesn't trust redheads because. She says something along the lines of, oh, I know they both have red hair, but he's not the same as Jason Blossom. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, so is Alice a bigot? Is that like what we're finding out here? <laughs> is she's genderphobic? Genderphobic. Um, so that might be what we're discovering here. Also, another allusion to how... Um, Jason apparently did something awful to Polly, but we still don't know what that is. Uh, and I'm excited to find how that mystery develops. If you know one thing about the Riverdale writers, it's that they know how to develop a mystery <laughs> in a very cohesive and strong way. Absolutely. They never drop any plot lines. That's never happened. There's definitely not a plot line in this scene that gets dropped within three seconds. <laughs> well, she does. Uh, it kind of ends with uh, Alice saying, I refilled your Adderall. Yes. So is Alice drugging her daughter? This is my question. <laughs> I think Betty is just a anxiety queen, I guess. 
But like, I felt like the implication of this all was that Betty, Adderall's for ADHD. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she has. I'm, I'm no, that's what I'm saying is I don't know that. Why does Betty need Adderall? I think this is something we should continue to think about because there's been no other instances in which they've established that she would need Adderall. <laughs> That's, I mean, I think it's just Alice being uh, insane. Which is why I think that Alice is forcing her daughter to take performance enhancing drugs to get into college. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why don't you write a thesis? You need to string this along all all future episodes. Be like, this is actually a hint that she was addicted to Adderall in high school. Okay, but this is what I'm talking about with plot lines that get dropped within three seconds. Is this ever mentioned again? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so either. Um, so it's it's the first day of school. Um, do you remember your first day of sophomore year? Because I don't remember mine. No. <laughs> Great. Well, I we can. I cannot tell you a single thing that happened on the first day of sophomore year. I can barely tell you what classes I had sophomore year. Me neither at all, actually. Um, but we get to see the, uh, I don't even want to say old Reggie, because I guess he's the original Reggie. I said, <laughs> I was like, I saw him come on screen. And I was like, oh my God, season one, Reggie. <laughs> so we see Reggie, he's a football player, um, commenting about how Archie is so ripped now. And it's like, what, why? It's like, did you take steroids? Nice, bro. <laughs> And, but he does ask, um, did you tap some cougar ass this summer? Is that how high school sophomores talk? I think that is how high school sophomores talk. Um, I think it's an excellent example of how high schoolers were talking in 2017. <laughs> um, in the hallway, just casually in earshot of everyone, including like their teachers. Um, what about wank bank? Wank bank? Yeah, I think so. That one actually does feel like something a high schooler would say. Not gonna lie. Um. Yeah. So we we get some football boy banter,s basically that scene with some interesting uh, high school slang. I guess it it's weird and toxic, and I think interesting though that they mention drug abuse for the second time in two scenes. Hmm. What Wonder where that plot line will go. Hmm. Oh. Well, because they mentioned, they were like, oh, LOL, are you on steroids? Yeah, but he, that's not mentioning drug abuse. That's, he wasn't on steroids. He was not on steroids. Okay. So drugs exist in the Riverdale cinematic I think universe. we're establishing that these characters are open to using drugs in ways that they were not prescribed. Mm, I Okay. I should not have given you this task. Oh. So we see... Uh, Betty showing Veronica around school and Veronica is very judgy about Riverdale for kind of no reason. She's very aggressive about how underfunded the school looks. Um, uh, Betty does open that the high school opened in 1941, which I found interesting because I didn't know if it was supposed to be like this building opened or Riverdale High itself started in 1941. Because if, if so, where were people going to school before 1941? <laughs> Um, I, I don't think about these things. Uh, maybe Riverdale High? Did they have public, when did public schools start? 
before the 40s. Okay, well, um, this because it will give you an actual answer. Um, <laughs> you can Google that. Veronica, Veronica asked if there's any nightclubs, which it's like you walked around Riverdale yesterday going to Pops. You know there's not. The, even the Dairy Queen closes down after one week. This Dairy Queen will close shortly. There's not much happening in this town. Um, so uh, I think before she asks that, though, she does make a reference to our town, which made me go just truly yet again wonder who they think is watching this show. <laughs> I think that's a topical reference. Do they think the average Riverdale audience member has seen our town? <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't think so. I don't that's think so good, either. That's a good Not point. to say that people who watch Riverdale are uncultured, because obviously we watch Riverdale. And we're we watch cultured. It, and we're cultured. And Riverdale is itself culture. However. <laughs> it makes culture. Um, so Kevin walks in and he does mention that there's a gay bar called Innuendo. Would you go to that gay bar? I don't know that I personally would. I also heard, like, so Kevin said Riverdale has a gay bar called, or a sad gay bar or something like that, called Innuendo. And my first thought was, this is a bit of a spoiler for later, but my first thought was, then why are you hooking up with people in the woods, Kevin? <laughs> right? Why doesn't he just, like, I feel like if it is that tragic of a gay bar, they, they don't- They're not carding. That is a well, good the gay point. gay bar of Riverdale is carding. <laughs> That's a good point. Evan, you're out here making points. Um... I also want to know that in this exchange, we hear of a Mall Mart, which will be the first of many iconic off-brand Riverdale brands. That's, that seems like a very real brand. Um, we do get another, I think, top quarter of the episode contender here. Um, Betty's oh. interesting, Veronica and Kevin. And uh, Betty says, Veronica's new here. Kevin is... And Veronica interrupts and says, gay, hey, thank, thank God. God, let's be best <laughs> friends. Which is, I mean, I feel like people don't always know things, but don't say that to gay people, okay? For all of our straight listeners out there, which I'm sure we have millions, um, don't just like tell people that you think they're gay instantly. Yeah, that's not a great way to start a conversation with anyone is just by asserting their sexuality to them. Um, and you know that they want to be best friends, right? Because all gay people are the same. Yes. We do hear some discussion. Kevin's kind of like talking about her dad and the drama and we still don't know exactly what happens yet. But Veronica does say that she stands by her dad, um, which is a choice. Which so I heard that too, um, and I went, huh, I wonder what Hiram did. Because at this point, we have no idea why Hiram is in jail. And based on how they're talking about it, I'm thinking murder. <laughs> I don't know what I'm thinking. Um... Because they, the quote is 
um, is it what they say about your dad is true? And Veronica goes, the devil incarnate? No. <laughs> I stand by him or something like that. So like, mm-hmm. what was so terrible that people know ahead of time that this man is bad? We'll find out, but. We will find out. Um, We get so, to. I think yeah. this implies that Hiram Lodge is famous. I think we all need to take that. Down. Like they're aware of this before she even gets there that her dad is going to jail which means like he's in the news <laughs> yeah because they're like seemingly from like a socialite type family i think they wiffle waffle on this a little bit later but it seems like first episode they're supposed to be like fairly well known like veronica implies that she's been to the met gala later oh that's true she does do that <laughs> um which is what the first episode we should say I don't know if that's it really stood by in later episodes but in this episode she's famous that to that level of like socialite status I guess yeah Betty also makes a comment later in the episode about knowing who Veronica used to hang out with which I was like weird (laughs) huh um yeah so lots of mystery with Veronica and her dad we get to see another great character um the pussycats um so archie kind of walks in and is looking for advice from josie yeah um so josie is not having archie shit in any way and like immediately yells at him also archie is acting like he's never spoken to josie before and um i think we come to find out later that they've been in the same school since like kindergarten so interesting way to approach the situation there archie um because they're famous and archie is just was not hot until now uh yeah anyways that was interesting uh i also get the iconic uh takedown of archie with justin ginger lake well you need to say the first part of that quote she says Read my glossed lips, Justin Gingerlake. <laughs> Which I feel like is a Riverdale thing where they say like, read my glossed lips. Like read my like perfectly manicured whatever lips. It's like, has yeah. anyone ever said that? No, but it's the same energy as I beg your misogynistic pardon. <laughs> Wait until that episode. <laughs> she does say... She also has another nice burn with a, or I guess this is not a burn. It's supposed to be a compliment, which I think is very, puts you in the time period of this episode. Because she calls him a redheaded Ansel Elgort. Is that a compliment in 2022? I don't think so. No, it is not a compliment in 2022. Um, Riverdale is a period piece in many ways. (laughs) It is uh, 100% a period piece. And I think if in this episode specifically, if you took a shot every time red hair was mentioned, you would literally die. <laughs> I, I don't think you would survive past like the 20 minute mark. <laughs> um, so then the students are kind of all discussing. Um, I don't know what she said, but I did say Veronica fetishizes redheads. Oh, no, oh, I know what she said. I wrote it down. I wrote it down. She said, I've tried every flavor of boy but orange. <laughs> Which is disgusting. Like, one, to call it orange because they have red hair. Like, 
disturbing. It was disturbing. Um, I also note that this is the first time they used the phrase end game in the show um, because it's Veronica, Kevin, and Betty are in the hall talking and they see Archie. And Veronica asks if Archie is single, leading to the quote, I tried every flavor of boy but orange. And Kevin says, no, um, like Archie is single, but Betty and Archie are end game. So an iconic <laughs> phrase. Yeah, theory. Their end game is said many times throughout Riverdale with about many different couples. But because this is the first end game, do you think Betty and Archie are end game? I'm actually going to say, yeah, I do think they are end game. Oh, um, I don't think so. I already, I say what you want to say. Um, <laughs> I'm the Barchi shipper here. You just said you hated them. Oh, I said that season one Betty was too good for season one Archie. That is a different statement. <laughs> mm -mm, I don't know. We got some Barchie slander here. <laughs> so um, they're talking. Um, they, there's an assembly happening and they're kind of discussing if homecoming might be canceled because of Jason's death. Um, but it's not homecoming. <laughs> isn't it homecoming? It's like the back to school semi-formal. Oh, I just assumed that was the same thing as homecoming, is it I? I don't think so, because it's literally the first day of school. <laughs> and homecoming's usually, like, in the mid to late fall. <laughs> okay, well, excuse me, I don't know. The back-to-school dance, is, I should say. Oh, that's uh, not a thing. I think that's why I'm pointing it out, because it's weird. What school has a back-to-school dance? I just assumed it was homecoming. It's not. Okay. They haven't had a football game yet. <laughs> But isn't homecoming supposed to be like the back to school thing, like the first dance of the year? Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> Which is why I'm saying it doesn't make sense. Well, homecoming is supposed to be when every like the alumni come home to the school. Okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, that's like the purpose of homecoming is it's like the alumni come back and they all come home. Blah 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 blah. Okay. Okay. Well, excuse me. They're discussing if the back to school dance will be canceled. Um, and Cheryl is speaking at the assembly and says that Jason is her soulmate. <laughs> she also makes a Hamlet reference, which I find very humorous. <laughs> Wait, what was it? Um, something about her, his short time before shuffling off this mortal coil. Okay. Which is a okay. reference to the to be or not to be speech in Hamlet. Um, I didn't get that one. I had to memorize that speech in high school. Actually, I had to memorize that speech sophomore year of high school connections. That's why Cheryl knows it. She's like, I'm literally read this in class today. <laughs> so Archie is staring across the whole gym at a seemingly teacher. Mm -hmm. um, and we get a nice flashback of the aforementioned shirtless Archie Andrews sexily jogging past your Volkswagen Beetle. <sighs> How do you feel? And, and he's jogging past a woman that we find out is a teacher and is his teacher. And they cut to them making out in her car. Yeah. Um... the process here so uh they fucked which i find funny 
Except it's disturbing. I mean, they really seem to romanticize this relationship, this episode especially. Really did. Um, yeah, so they have like hot, steamy, passionate makeout times in the back of Miss Grundy's Beetle, um, which I don't know how they had room for that, but we're not going to go there. Um. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I feel like disclaimer. Obviously, we are against this, and we will make many jokes about it because it's hilarious writing and a hilarious writing choice. But obviously, this relationship um dynamic is not okay in real life, and people oh. should not like be shipping this or anything. No, it's horrible. It is a horrible relationship dynamic that is absolutely terrible and was not handled well in any way, shape, or form. And that is why it's funny. And that is on brand for Riverdale. Just <laughs> because it's just it's really letting you know what the rest of the show is gonna be like. Uh, it's laying the table. It's laying the table. So Archie um is trying to talk to Miss Grundy we find out the teacher is Miss Grundy and he's trying to talk to her about getting music lessons because she's the music teacher Wait, and- I have one more comment though about this whole summer love fest um can we all admit that Mrs. Grundy's heart sunglasses are iconic <laughs> okay honestly her looking over like drinking like a slushy like hot okay whatever <laughs> It was kind of sexy. I don't blame Archie or anything, because, like, what are you going to do? I mean, it was deeply inappropriate, but Archie is not the one at fault here. (laughs) Um, I think we can all agree and be clear on that. I I do like those glasses. Um, Okay, that was what I thought. I was like, this is so wrong, but those glasses slay. As long as the glasses slay, do whatever the fuck you want to children. That is not what I'm saying. Bad, <laughs> say that. Bad. You heard. Roll the tapes. Um, I'm trying to say. Okay. Okay. So yeah. So he's talking to Miss Grundy about trying to give music lessons. She says, "Set up or like come to my office hours." Which like, what high school teacher has office hours? Was that a thing? It was not a thing at my high school. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if the Riverdale writers went to college though. I'm not certain that they did. Um, but <laughs> I think maybe at like bougie private schools, the teachers have office hours, but Riverdale High, I don't think Riverdale High has office hours. I'm not gonna lie. Um, so we kind of cut scenes and we leave school for a bit and see Hermione visiting Fred seemingly at his kind of company building and she's asking for a job Mm -hmm. um, because she doesn't have access to all of her husband's money while he's in prison. Uh, we do find out that they dated, but she chose the rich kid. Yeah, I wrote that down. We also find out that Fred is divorced, but it's amicable. They still in contact, but she lives in Chicago. So that is why Archie's mom does not appear to be in the picture. Yes, yes. And he is nice to Hermione and seems to consider it, but the job is to kind of have someone help with the books. 
And he says that his clients just wouldn't like that because of course her husband is in jail and they don't trust him. Um, and I think that gives us a little, or they don't trust her by association. And I think that gives us a little bit more of a hint of what Hiram's crimes might be. Well, they explicitly state he's in jail for fraud and like embezzlement or something like that. So we find out that Hiram is in fact a white collar criminal. Interesting. That's the devil. The devil is a white collar criminal. The devil incarnate is a white collar criminal. Um, so Fred basically says, can't hire you. Um, and Hermione is just walks away disappointed, but she understands. She's like, I get it. My husband's a dick. Um, and he's ruining my life, but like, I can't blame you, Fred. Um, so we're back at the school and it's lunchtime and Archie's playing, um, his music like on a, from a computer at lunch and all of his friends seem to like it. Did you hear any of the music? What did you think? I did. Um, and my note down was, so Archie cannot sing, but they all lie to him. (laughs) So they seem to be like sincere, but... I don't think it was very good. So I can't tell if they just have no taste or they're trying to be nice. I'm, I think they were just trying to be nice. Like it was clearly not good. Um, despite whatever the characters say, I think we can all admit that it was not pleasant to listen to for the like 20 seconds it played. <laughs> yeah, and it was only in the background. Like we really did not get a clip. We, we will get to see Archie sing eventually. So I guess we can reserve judgment till then. Um, everyone is being very judgmental to Cheryl, in my opinion. Like, they're talking about how she could, like, win an award for, like, best psycho. And it's like, her brother just died. Yeah. Um, I wrote down, people are mean to Cheryl, and Veronica's upset that she's not the center of attention. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, she, she is, like, makes comments about, like, I thought, like, I'd be a bigger deal. (laughs) Yeah, and I was like, Veronica, you like 10 seconds ago were like, oh, I just want to be like a normal kid. Like, I hope that you got really upset when Kevin brought up the fact that your dad was in prison and you got like kind of irrationally angry and kind of snapped back at him. And now you're like, I can't believe no one is talking about me. And they're all just talking about Cheryl. And then um, Kevin makes a comment about how she's try- Cheryl is trying to win Oscar for best supporting psycho or something like that, which is just really mean to say about someone whose twin just died. And, you know, say the name of the devil and she appears because then she walks directly <laughs> towards their table and she has some good uh, banter with Kevin um, because she's yes. trying to She's encouraging Veronica to join the cheerleading team. And so Kevin says, is cheerleading still a thing? And she says, is being the gay best friend still a thing? And this is what I'm saying about it connecting back to um, where Veronica is like, gay, thank God, let's be best friends. Because she's clearly looking for a gay best friend. And um, Cheryl is calling this out in like a very... um, progressive gay rights kind of way in my opinion she's calling out veronica in a sly way she's just being homophobic so you know i guess let us know do you think cheryl is secretly analyzing this situation from like a uh queer politics 
lens um, and analyzing that Veronica is using Kevin to up her social status or is she just someone who made a homophobic remark? I think it's impossible to tell and we should give Cheryl the benefit of the doubt and she's definitely not just being homophobic. <laughs> because why would anyone ever just be homophobic on Riverdale with no consequences and no intention as to why? I said a uh, gay lesbian solidarity found dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we do get to hear they kind of Veronica's asking if Betty wants to try out. Um, but she tried out last year and she was rejected from the team because Cheryl said she was too fat. Oh, okay. So it's important to know. Before this all happens, we find out that Cheryl's Twitter handle is at Cheryl Bombshell. <laughs> In uh, this fat shaming moment, we find out that Cheryl watches Mad Men <laughs> makes a madman reference and says that Betty was two season five Betty Draper, which for those of us who haven't seen Mad Men, or for those of you, I have seen Mad Men. Um, in season five, it is, there's a trend throughout Mad Men where the writers, when they're bored, just make women wear fat suits. And um, <laughs> in season five, they force Betty Draper, who's played by January Jones, to wear a very horrendous fat suit to show that Betty is depressed. Um, Mad Men is a great show, but also again, who do the ref like? Who do these writers think is watching the show? I did not understand the reference. I'll fully admit that I've never <laughs> seen Mad Men, and I feel like I am not the only Riverdale viewer who hasn't. That's what I'm saying. I think the Venn diagram of who has seen Mad Men and who has seen Riverdale might be two separate circles, essentially. Um, Can we just say Veronica's response to this is that you're a total smoke show now. <laughs> like she just assumes that, oh, Betty probably was too fat last year. Yeah, the um, body image and like fat acceptance politics of Riverdale have not quite hit the mark yet. Um, so, it's like kind of so un goes unaddressed that um, Cheryl was fat shaming Betty, who was maybe fat, maybe not, we don't know. And Kevin is <laughs> makes a comment about how great of a burn Cheryl saying this about Betty was, <laughs> which best friend material right there. <laughs> you gotta have your good friends who uh, side with your enemies. <laughs> Um, that's anything else about this scene? No, I then move on to Archie showing Grundy, Mrs. Grundy his songs. And we get a longer clip of Archie singing. Um, and I just wrote, wow, he really still can't sing. <laughs> um, yeah, it's extremely romanticized. Like the scene is seemingly taking place in taking place in the dark for no reason. Um why is the music room at the school so dark? <laughs> you can perform music in the light. It's okay. No, it, it messes with the chords, I think. Um, they talk about um, what they've heard 
that July 4th morning. Um, and we find out that it was a gunshot, which mm-hmm. is definitely sus considering the story is supposedly that Jason drowned. Yeah. So I think we can talk about a few things here. First, I want to know that it's mentioned that Miss Grundy went to Juilliard <laughs> and is oh, now the music too. teacher at Riverdale High. So um, don't know what happened there. Uh, but I feel like Miss Grundy, despite all her flaws, could have gotten a better job. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I think uh, maybe she got this job for a reason. Maybe, maybe she did. May- what is what is the Riverdale High employee background check? None. I doubt this. <laughs> I don't think they do one. Maybe that's how she got this job. Um, so yeah, it leads into this discussion where Archie's like, we heard gunshots while hooking up on the banks of Sweetwater River at 6 a.m. on July 4th, which why were they up that early? There's no like need. you do. Huh? Like you like do. You do. <laughs> like you do. And Miss Grundy insists that no, it was fireworks. Um because Archie wants to come forward because Jason supposedly drowned, but like sus that they heard gunshots. And Grundy obviously does not want to come forward because she is in fact a predator. That's that's pretty much the gist. Um, Archie seems to be trying to do the right thing, wants to like tell the police to help their investigation and she doesn't want to. And she also doesn't want to help him with music because she doesn't want to spend more time with him. Like, I guess she's trying to create distance, which I guess is good. Mm-hmm. She understands what she did was wrong, but like, sure. Well, we'll we'll figure yeah. out through by the episode. But uh, then we get to see the cheerleading tryouts, which another iconic scene. Um, iconic. They so Betty and Veronica are trying out together for some reason. It's unknown why. It seems to be like solo auditions, but they're just together. And Cheryl says, like, where, after they go, they do their little cheer. She says, like, where's the fire in you? And so Veronica kisses Betty for no reason as the big finish. Yes. And then Cheryl delivers the iconic line. Are you taking the line from me? Do you want it? That You can have it. You can have the line. It is. It's your culture. Go for it. I'm sorry. I wasn't even done commenting. We didn't even talk about the actual kiss yet. Like, Oh, it's because I don't have thoughts on the kiss. My <laughs> notes were just hot, period. Uh, <laughs> the kiss did nothing for me. <laughs> Cheryl says, check your sell-by date, ladies. Faux lesbian kissing hasn't been taboo since 1994. Bitch, I think Cheryl needs to... Um, take a history class uh explore some past cinema and remember that cruel intentions came out in 1999 (laughs) literally literally, no i'm not even addressing that um let's go like section by section with this quote i love the intro to it check your sell by date ladies like that line is just so good to use like it's so applicable in day-to-day life you can say i say it every day um (laughs) (laughs) um so many situations i love it did not pass cheryl's gaydar she's like nope this is not a real couple oh cheryl said i have immaculate gaydar 
and you two are straight. Like, shut up, straggets. It's okay. Stop kissing, though. <laughs> um, that should have been the quote. I said that I want this quote as a tattoo. What do you think about that? I would fully support it. Um, because innate, like, it is, it is film. It is like iconic. It is literature it will be talked about and discussed for years to come I believe because this line is just so iconic it really is um and then Cheryl's not definitely not impressed by it and she starts to like interrogate Betty and says that Polly had a nervous breakdown and it's very intense um Betty is like grabbing or he's like you know digging her own nails into her palm. And I said, Betty, self-harming queen. I said, OMG, I think Betty might have emotional issues. <laughs> so true. That is like an objectively true interpretation of the scene. Um, I also said, let's go Cheryl, force this exposition by making Betty explain events it makes no sense to have her explain right now. <laughs> um. She does like kind of, okay, okay, Veronica can be on the team, but Betty, no. Um, Veronica then like tears Cheryl into pieces and says she's entitled and says that we're a matching set um, that she won't join the team unless Betty can too. Yeah, um, this also led to a very iconic line from Veronica, in my opinion where she says, you wanted fire? Sorry, Cheryl Bombshell. My specialty is ice. Play, which is a theme that is not explored at all. I don't think- Never picked up again. (laughs) And like, side note, that could have very easily been like, explored this latest season. I think it would have been fun to have them like, explore that theme a little bit and like, the juxtaposition there. Um, But- they didn't. <laughs> I don't think they think about the Riverdale pilot as much as we do. I don't think the actual Riverdale writers think about this episode as much as we do. Um, but I do want to note that listening to Veronica give this speech, it sounded like she was kind of speaking from a place of her own insecurities and maybe projecting a little bit onto Cheryl. At football tryouts, um, Archie made varsity. Um, and the coach tries to give him Jason's old number. That's not going to go over well. Actually, I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, I noted, I, I do think that seems a little inappropriate, um, considering that Jason just died and his body has not been recovered. Yeah, it's a little, like, you don't have an extra jersey. And, like, schools retire numbers. Like, that's a thing that can happen. And usually, like, it's because someone did really well or whatever, but... I think you can retire in a number for like a season at least because someone died. Yeah, I would think so too. Archie is like less excited than he should be. He says that it's a big commitment and kind of uses the excuse that he's supposed to be working at his dad's company. Um, I said, so this is High School Musical. The locker room seemingly that Cheryl gave in and Veronica is erotically zipping up Betty's uniform. Yeah. Why were they getting into uniform? This was what I was wondering. What was happening here? 
Um, Nothing. <laughs> I have no ex- I have no explanation of what's going on there, but they do have an erotic moment. They also have an emotional bonding moment where Betty opens up about Holly and Jason and how Holly was obsessed with Jason, but Jason was not into Polly in that way, apparently. And then also Alice was a bad mom to literally no one's surprise. <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Um, Veronica gets to talk a little bit too and say that, you know, she's acting nice because all these trolls kind of came out when her dad got arrested and she realized that they were pretty much right, that she is entitled and needs to stop being such a mean girl. So it is a, it, it is a nice uh, bonding moment. I do have to say the uniforms are ugly as shit, though. They are. Why do they look like that? Um, if you're unaware, it's like a, it's a weird blue-yellow combo. And they just have like a, like cheerleading megaphone horn on them it's very like 1950s like it literally does not look uh, like modern at all it was so 1950s and also i'm fairly certain it's the riverdale bulldogs if i remember that correctly so confused as to why it doesn't seem to say Riverdale or Bulldogs anywhere on these uniforms or even River Vixens which is apparently the name of this cheerleading squad yeah I've never actually thought about why they're the River Vixens but that's a good point um Veronica is like trying to hype up Betty and get her to ask Archie to the dance um Betty totally chickens out and asks if she wants to come with both of them and, and more importantly, we get the first drop of Archiekins. We do get the first drop of Archiekins. Um, I also put down that, uh, I think it's important to note that Betty asks if she, Archie wants to go to the dance with Betty and Veronica as like a friend trio. And Archie does initially say, no, I'm actually not in the mood to go to a dance. Like, I just don't think I'm up to it. And Veronica says, no, you're going, and drops an Archie Kins, and that is that. Um, yeah, I think we know why Archie decided to go to the dance, and I don't know if it was for Betty. So things are not looking great, and I thought that was pretty clearly expressed, but cut to Betty dancing around her bedroom extremely happy, and I'm like, do not read body language at all. Yeah, so... I think Betty might be a bit of a delusional girl in this moment. Um, like listening to a little bit too much like Lana Del Rey, Taylor Swift moment. Um, I think like that's just it's that's what it's giving. Mm-hmm. It's giving delusion. Um, and she was dancing very weirdly. I must it say, very, it was a very odd dance scene. Um. But this then leads into Alice turning off the music and being a bad mom yet again. Like always, she's pissed that she joined the cheerleading team because um, she has more important things to do. Like, why is she mad about this? Yeah, so um, Alice says that she's mad because uh, 
Betty should be like focusing on college, whatever. Also because Cheryl is a mean girl and Betty should not be associating with Cheryl and Veronica, who she said are mean girls and are not going to be her friend. And then Betty says, no, I'm going to do this one thing for me. Has a whole rant about how she has like perfect child issues. Um, And also I noted the line delivery there was just really weird and not convincing. And I love Lily Reinhardt and she does amazing things in this show, like truly elevates the work to a level it should not be elevated to. But that line delivery was just bad, girly. I don't know what was happening there. And I think this is when she still cared. <laughs> which is the first show. Okay, in defense of Lily Reinhardt, because I will always defend my wife, but I think this is like her first like television show. Like, I don't think she was an actress before this. I don't really know though. So don't like call me out on it. But either I think this might have been her first show too. But like she does so many, like she has so many amazing scenes and great line delivery later with lines that are much more poorly written. So I was just like, it was a moment I noticed when I was like, hmm. Okay. Um, we're going to do another take of that, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I said that Alice is evil because she's just being very controlling of Betty. Um, yeah, and Betty just like stands up for herself. Um, I do think it's just kind of poor writing, not to say that Riverdale has poor writing. I would never say that, but I do you think- You critique the writing of Riverdale. It's, un- it's, it's, it's perfect. There's nothing you can change that would make it any better. There's nothing uh, wrong with Riverdale writing. It's a perfect, perfectly written television show. Okay, but I do think that when characters like change on the first episode, because this whole scene is supposed to be like, oh, I've been such a like perfect child and I'm finally saying no to you for the first time. It mm-hmm. just doesn't hit as hard because like we've we've seen her say yes for like two scenes, you know, like we haven't seen her saying yes for her whole life. So it's not as impactful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very much a, like, we're just told that Betty's standing up to her mom for the first time. And there's no proof because it just seems like Betty has constantly been annoyed with her mother and has kind of pushed back against that for the entirety of the time that we've seen her. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so um, we get to see Hermione returning home and that she's sad she wasn't able to get a job, but her great husband, Hiram, is here to help and dropped off a suitcase full of loose cash for her to essentially live on um, while he's in prison, seemingly. Yeah, I have no comments about this one. It was just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's just to establish, okay, Hermione doesn't actually need to find a job right now. Yeah, I think it's to establish that Hermione is going to be fine, and also Hiram is still pulling strings, even from prison. Yes, that's a good point. Um, So we're back at the Andrews house, and Fred calls out Archie for lying because the the football coach called and basically encouraged Fred to say that Archie doesn't have to work so that he could be on varsity football when Archie told his dad that he can't work because of football and told the coach the exact opposite. So Archie is a fucking liar. Yeah. And Fred confronts this on this and Fred proves himself to actually be a pretty good dad um, in this moment, I think. But I did note that there is just like a massive amount of toxic masculinity throwing throughout this entire scene from both of them. It's very odd. But um, 
Archie is basically like, uh, or Fred is like, I thought the plan was you play football because that's how you get to college. And then you can go to college and major in business and then come back and work with me and then like eventually take over the company. And Archie is like, well, I, maybe I don't want to do that anymore, dad. And Fred is like, well, like a month ago you did. So what changed? And what did change? I wonder what happened in the intervening period that could have potentially caused Archie to change his life goals. We um, know, but left to wonder. <laughs> yeah, Fred, Fred does not know. Um, he does give some advice man to man, which is an Archie like 15. Yeah. Um, he also makes a comment about how Archie needs to make the right decision because this is going to like massively change the entire course of his entire life. And I sat there and went, Archie's a sophomore in high school. It's not that deep, Fred. It's not that deep. Like, it's going to be okay. Also, why can't he do football and music? I need an explanation for why these two are detrimental. Like, why can't he do both? It doesn't make sense. Make it make sense. Yeah, um, we don't really get an explanation of that, unfortunately. We just get some father-son bonding. Um, and I said, Archie, this is a hobby of two months because he's literally like, I want to major in music in college. Like, you don't have to decide that right now. You're a sophomore in high school. <laughs> um, You've gone to one day of sophomore high school, like sophomore year too. It has been one day into sophomore year. So they do go to the dance, not homecoming. Um, and there's a giant Jason poster in the gym. Did you see mm -hmm. that? No, I did, um, which was weird. But I also think it's important to note that as they walk in, I took a pill and Ibiza starts playing <laughs> and plays throughout this entire scene. And I think that's just important to remember uh, the time period in which this was created. <laughs> oh, I'm going to go on a rant about a few future musical choice, but it's not actually in the dance scene. Um, Archie walks in with both uh, B and V on both of his arms. Like, okay, mm -hmm. play, I guess. Um, Betty's dress is not her color. It's, ugh, it's very light pink. And I don't like like very light colors on pale people, in my opinion. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. Again, I think it's trying to emphasize like a, a like a juxtaposition. Position. Thank you. A juxtaposition between Veronica's more like mature, dark, edgy fashion sense and the uh, citizens of Riverdale's like light, pastel-y, innocent sense of like traditional American '50s society. But have you considered that I just want Willie Reinhardt to look good? I have, and I think the costumers made the wrong choice, but... <laughs> um, but she does have her hair down, which is like a little crazy for Betty and her typical ponytail. That is true. That is a little wild. Um, so they're discussing if Archie can do both music and football and... Veronica says that she thinks he should be able to because this is a post-James Franco world, which is how I describe the world every day. I'm like, in this post-James Franco world, I can do anything. In this post-James Franco world, everything is possible. Um, I also made a comment or noted down that Veronica walks in and goes, well, this is not the Met Ball. <laughs> 
And it was like, girl, what were you expecting when you were going to Riverdale Heights fall semi-formal? Um, Archie is like, they're like, let's dance. And Archie's like, actually, I need to take a moment. Um, I'll be right back. And he walks away and goes, talks to Miss Grundy. And I wrote down, I'm already bored with Archie's music plotline. <laughs> yeah, so he's trying to like, I guess, be realistic about it and basically sets up like an independent study that they'll just talk about music. Yes, so Archie's blackmailing Mrs. Grundy into um, letting him do like an independent study with her for credit so that he can pursue his dream of making music. And I think it's important to remember that Archie, the main character, is blackmailing someone. And this is the first episode. <laughs> and it's seen as such a positive thing. They're, we're like, wow, Archie's really taking control and being mature about this. Like, Archie is passionate about this and he's like working and using everything he can to succeed and, and like attain this dream. And there's nothing wrong with what he's doing here. Um, also in between shots of um, whatever is happening with Archie and going on there, um, we learn that, or I wrote down that Kevin is a gay icon and we find out that <laughs> Moose, who is one of the football players who is friends with uh, one of the football players who is with Reggie when they're asking Archie if he tapped any cougar ass, um, is apparently hung. <laughs> There's no other way to put that. Um, so uh, Arch, the quote is, um, you'll never ask who wanted, uh, like tried to hook up or asked to hook up with me in the stalls or something like that. His name may be Moose. But I would describe another part of him as horse-like. <laughs> um, deeply disturbing as these are high school sophomores. Um, it does it does have plot relevance though. So thanks for bringing that up. Um, You're welcome. We'll get back to it. <laughs> Carol gets to introduce the Pussycats because they are playing. Guess what song? The song that was supposedly playing when Cheryl and Jason were conceived. I wrote that and then said, Cheryl, you're an icon. <laughs> I mean, disgusting. Like, who would know this? Okay, why would they, she know this? And also, why would she tell everyone? She announced that this is what's happening on the loudspeaker in front of the dance. And everyone in the audience was just like, yeah, okay, sounds cool. Like, no one makes a weird face. No one's just like, um. They're like, used to Cheryl, though. Like, they're used to it. But, like, that's just weird. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Um, it, it, it's like kind of a slow song and Betty dances with Archie. So you think something's going to happen. Um, she does actually confess her feelings. But before that, we do get to see that Veronica is dancing with Kevin. And it's kind of cute. Um, but Betty <laughs> confesses her feelings in maybe like the most off-putting way to just say, I like you. She says that. She has a fantasy of us as a power couple. Or just a couple. Because <laughs> she's like, now that I'm a cheerleader and you're a football player, we can be a power couple. It's like, why are you leading with that? You've liked him for years. Why does it matter if he's a football player or not? Yeah. The, it's... I yeah she went it about it in the weirdest way possible I wrote down why did Betty ask him like that 
Um, because why? Why did she do that? It was so odd. It felt like she was trying to like negotiate uh um like like a, she was like doing a sales pitch for why they should be together and like negotiating like a power deal of like we should these two companies should like work together because then we can control the sector of the market like that was the vibes it was giving off and it was just like if that's not how you confess your love if we combine our synergy we can maximize profits <laughs> she's like in corporate speak mode uh probably from her internship okay she yeah. is um archie doesn't like outright reject her but it's kind of like the moment dies and betty is like mad offended yeah betty's not a fan and then cheryl sees all of this going down and is like "Ooh, i can cause drama and i just really need to take a moment to try to figure out who are cheryl's friends that she says this to because they will never appear again <laughs> She does just have some like random vixens that are just kind of like her henchmen because I feel like she just needs those at different points. But when they are not needed, they are never there. These people do not have names. They are, (laughs) I don't think they appear again, but for some reason they are her besties and she's ready to like plot the downfall of these high school classmates of hers with them. Yeah, so Cheryl's scheme is seemingly inviting them all to her kind of after dance party and play Seven Minutes in Heaven, of course. Um, I really like Cheryl's red dress. I do love Cheryl's red dress. It's iconic. Um, I think it's also important. So I guess we're heading into continuing their post-gaming at Cheryl's mansion. Um, And the interior of this mansion will change. <laughs> I think that's important to know. Um, I did not know that because I was way too focused. Did you hear the song playing in the background of this? No, I don't think I did. Okay. But I do, I want to mention the nickname that Cheryl gives Archie. Um, so they decide to play Seven Minutes in Heaven and in order to cause this drama, Cheryl is like, I have a great idea. Archie will be the first person to go. We'll spin the bottle to find out who goes with him. And she refers to Archie as the ginger stallion. That's revolting to the senses. But I am going back to this music because the song that's playing is Boyfriend by Tegan and Sarah. No, it is not. In the song, if you don't know Boyfriend by Tegan and Sarah, change your life and listen to Tegan and Sarah. But the song is literally about, it's not even like, you know, we were friends growing up or anything, which is seemingly what it's supposed to get out because it's kind of like a Betty and Archie conflict scene. It is about like, you know, they are saying that some straight girl is like treating them like your boyfriend, but then you treat me like a best friend. Like it's very much like, oh, you you kiss me like I'm your boyfriend, but then you trust me like I'm your best friend. Like they're being played. And I just need to know what Riverdale like Sonic producer chose this because that has nothing to do with the scene that is happening. That's the Tegan and Sarah analysis. Um, we do. Okay, so Archie is, you know, up for seven and minutes in heaven. Cheryl spins the bottle and it lands like straight in between Betty and Veronica. Like, how did you do that, Cheryl? Magic. 
Um, probably. And uh, she's like, oh, it's clearly pointing to Veronica. <laughs> Conflict. Um, they say that Cheryl is the Antichrist, which might be right. Yeah, they do say that. I wrote that down too. Um, and then I just have an outpouring of my emotional state while watching this scene. Um, I wrote, wow, this is very uncomfortable. I bet they're going to kiss, though. <laughs> um, and then why do they keep asking questions? This is weird. Ooh, they're stepping toward each other. Yeah, when they stepped closer to each other, Archie is wearing Converse with his dance suit. Like, who says I can't wear Converse with my dress? Because, baby, he's literally wearing Converse. Like, why? Um yeah so i think that is actually the most accurate representation of a high school sophomore in this entire show is that archie wore converse to his high school dance um i think that is something that any high school sophomore could potentially do either ironically or unironically (laughs) yeah so uh veronica and archie do kiss um i said v is a snake because come on, that's a snake move. That is. Oh, I literally wrote Veronica. What the fuck? <laughs> she she is a snake, and they leave the closet, and Betty is already gone. She ran away like the second they entered. So that's what did it. I say? innocence lost. So true. So Veronica kind of heads home defeated because they don't want to look for Betty together because that would not be good. Um, I noted no. that is wearing her pearls. She's wearing her pearls in literally every scene in this episode. I was something I noted. Archie's looking for Betty. And they she he goes to Pops to try to find her, but he hasn't been in Pops um all night. But guess who's there? Oh, Jughead. I wrote OMG, Jughead is finally here. And then immediately followed it up with Jughead, why are you like this? What is your issue? <laughs> lot of Jughead this episode which is fine because we get way too much later so (laughs) um he's working on his novel though would you read Jughead's novel um I think that we are reading Jughead's novel I guess that's true because I backed myself into a corner with that question because I was gonna be like fuck no and then I realized (laughs) this whole show is supposedly Jughead's novel so um, I think we are reading Jughead's novel. It doesn't exactly make sense anymore, but you you know what? It is what it is. And um, yeah, I think I would read Jughead's novel. Um, I don't think it's well written though. <laughs> Damn. Um, they have some like randomly deep conversations about like how Jason will be remembered. And it really does not connect to anything other than like Archie being like, I have to be honest to Betty. Um, And Jughead does throw a little shade and talks Mm -hmm. about how they're not really friends anymore. So we don't know what the context behind that is yet. We don't. I actually made note of that. And um, I think for once Jughead actually gave pretty good advice where he was like, listen, Archie, you need to just go talk to Betty um like talk to her tell like talk about what you guys are feeling where you guys are at and then he makes the comment of we would still be friends if you did that to me he 
way he actually spelled. Um, so for once in his entire life, Jughead made a point. <laughs> yeah, so Archie goes to talk to Betty um, at her like front door. It's very, it's giving very like supposed to be romantic. Um, um, but Betty out of pocket asks, do you love me? And Archie goes, I do love you, but not the way that you want me to, which is just heartbreaking. <laughs> He's like, um, friend zone? <laughs> um, but Archie says that he'll never be good enough for Betty. So I oh. guess he agrees with Evan. Yeah. Archie agrees with me. So who's right? We cut to a friendly iconic scene. <laughs> so iconic um it gives us a really great quote from kevin too which made me laugh really hard which is just i love a good closet case (laughs) so confirmation that kevin is also homophobic um the intro right before that um moose says for the record i'm not gay kevin says obviously not moose you're on the football team it's also a good line. Um, the scene is really funny. It's dark. It's in the woods. Why is it in, dark and in the woods? And why are they outside and going to the river? It is not explained. I feel like that is explained in later seasons. That's just where stuff happens in Riverdale, I guess. Um, it is, I guess. But like they clear, they had a car they could have used. I'm not certain why they felt they yeah, needed they to drove there size. Of all yeah, they drove there. There was a car behind them. And it wasn't even like Miss Grundy's tiny little beetle. They've already established you can, in fact, get it on in. So, so Kevin says, I love a good closet case. They start running. They agree that they're going to start with skinny dipping. And they start running towards the river. And Kevin trips and then goes, oh, my God, it's Jason. He's been shot, which he can apparently see through the body which is underwater (laughs) okay and it's like dark he can see a gunshot wound in a decomposing body underwater consider that his dad is a cop so he has like we don't know that yet (laughs) i'm just i'm just adding some color to the character maybe he has like a sixth sense for this maybe but um so we do discover this is the aforementioned body discovered um, of your dead classmate who's been shot when they everyone thought he drowned while you're having a secret gay hookup in the woods. That's happened to everyone. I think it's a universal experience we can all relate to. <laughs> um, so news gets out that Jason has been shot, not drowned in an accident. Um, and everyone's kind of talking about it. And Jughead says that the world has changed. Um, yeah, Riverdale will never be the same after this. Um, the first arrest is about to be made. So, question. What do you think is the best fit of the episode? I know you're going to flame me for this, but I do think it's Veronica's cape moment in Pops. I think that was her best fit. Um, no. <laughs> objectively wrong I mean it's iconic like it's definitely giving something but it's not giving the right things I think it's giving mysterious sexy woman like in the way that Veronica Lodge should be giving her best moment it's giving I will become Monica Posh (laughs) 
Um, my favorite bit was Cheryl's all white outfit with the red heels, very first scene. I feel like that's just iconic. And then to see her later, like disheveled as she, when she fell off the boat and everything, it's giving. It's giving. Symbolic loss of innocence. I like it. I agree. That was a really good fit. Um, I just, I love the cape. I think I'm a cape bitch. I love the cape. Um, and it's the drama of it all. I love the drama of a cape. <laughs> most importantly, because this is such a tough question. I had to really ponder this, but what is the quote of the episode? I had so many issues um, coming up with one because there's just, this episode has so many amazing quotes. Um, but I truly do think I have to go with um, Veronica Lodge. This is Kevin Keller. Veronica is new here. Kevin is gay. Thank God. Let's be best friends. (laughs) So that was definitely a top contender for me. Um, It just, it hits so good. It hits (laughs) so good. Um, Yeah, I think I have to go with that one. Okay. Uh, mine will not surprise anyone because I said I want a tattoo of it. <laughs> but check your sell by date, ladies. Faux lesbian kissing hasn't been taboo since 1994. I do love how she says, because I say like taboo, but she's like taboo. Just like yeah. that. Um, that would have <laughs> been my pick if I didn't know that it was going to be yours. <laughs> we are going to end the episode, every episode, by... Uh, doing an analysis of a particular character from Riverdale. We're going to pick a new one every time, I think, and just discuss our thoughts and feelings and where we believe they fall on the Kinsey scale of human sexuality. Um, so in case you are someone who does not use the Kinsey scale in your day-to-day vernacular, um, that's okay. We accept you. Um, not okay. So- <laughs> This is the, oh, it's uh, very much okay. We understand. It's ex- we're in accepting space. It's for learning. We're educating people on the Kinsey scale through this. So true. So the Kinsey scale, if you Google it, this is the definition. The Kinsey scale, also called the heterosexual homosexual, the heterosexual homosexual rating scale, is used in research to describe a person's sexual orientation based on one's experience or response at a given time. The scale typically ranges from zero, meaning exclusively heterosexual, to six, meaning exclusively homosexual. Archie Andrews, Kinsey scale rating. Um, I feel like we might disagree on this one. Are we like like a reveal, like put the fingers behind your back? Yeah. Um, ready? One, two, three. Okay, okay. I said two and Evan said one. So we actually far apart. I think, I mean, from this episode, I would not give him a two, but like, you know, we're taking the whole character into account. And I feel like some of the stuff, even in this episode, the past history with Jughead, that's sus. That's sus. That is sus. Um, This will be commented on later. But as we develop these characters and meet new characters and all of that, 
but I do think that Archie definitely considers himself a zero. I think that should be stated. He would 100% think of himself as a zero. I don't think he is a zero though. I think that, um, as I mentioned, there's some weird toxic masculinity stuff in his household. And I think that plays into this. Also, um, the uh, number of strange homoerotic uh, exchanges that he will have with his girlfriend's fathers in the future um, really makes me think that there's at least some level of attraction to men there. So that's why I went with a one. <laughs> yeah, I think when those scenes come up, we do have to just go there because like, it's just yeah. true. It's true. So I feel like, you know, one to two, we're, we're on pretty much the same page. Um, mostly straight, but you know, you know, he's never, he's not like a, a Kinsey zero, I guess. No, he's not going there, but he won't even admit it to himself, but he is attracted to men, just like a little bit. You can uh, reach out to us, let us know what your thoughts are on the episode. We'd love to hear from you. Um, hear what your favorite iconic fits of the episode or your favorite quotes of the episode are. You can reach out to us at um, Cheryl's B words at gmail.com. Or you can tweet at us at Cheryl's Bitches or find us on Instagram at Cheryl's Bitches and TikTok at Cheryl's Bitches as well. So um, that is Cheryl's B words at gmail.com if you want to send us an email and Cheryl's Bitches on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check us out, please. <laughs>